And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast on a Friday morning, bright and early in Los Angeles, California. I'm not in Los Angeles. It's not that bright or early where I am. But Ramona Shelburne, a woman who knows everything and is kind enough to come on this podcast and talk about everything in the NBA from James Harden to Joella B to Giannis. Ramona, it's 738 in Los Angeles. How are you? You know what? I've been up for like an hour because I have somehow my one of my children is an early bird. And every morning at like six o'clock, he says, Mommy, it's time to get up. And I said, no, it's not. <laughs> but this is life now. <laughs> so I get up early now. There is a lot um, going on in yeah. the NBA, and I really wanted to have you on because you, you just you, you you're always talking. You're always talking to people. You got information. Talking um, to Texan, yeah. Talking texting, which is really just modern day talking. Um, Correct. Yeah. Now, uh, like I have I have friends who are like, yeah, I talk to so and so a lot, and I'm like, you never actually talk to that person. You just text that person. That's not right. talking. That doesn't count as to me. That doesn't count as talking. Uh, I was intended to have you on to talk about your massive James Harden piece from last week, which was outstanding, despite James Harden's uh, criticism of the piece online, which was <laughs> spirited, let's say. But I think I, I said this two weeks ago, and it, it happened again, and I think we have to start with Giannis, because I yeah. think despite all of this drama about the Sixers and the Blazers and Dame and Harden, Giannis... A doubling down on the 48 Minutes podcast with our old friend Bruce Bernstein and yeah. Ross Geiger, who used to work for the Bucks and is close with Giannis, and Michael Freer said once again, if, if I don't sense that this is a winning situation, I'm not signing an extension here and I'm willing to go elsewhere. I love Milwaukee, would love to stay in Milwaukee for the rest of my career, but dot, 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 and if you talk to people within the Bucks, they'll be like, yeah... We, this is like we all knew this already. This is not new to us. We know the pressure we're under. We know the timetable of his contract. We know how disappointing last season's playoffs were. We know that he's going to hold our feet to the fire. I don't know about you. I'm surprised how out there he is saying this. Um, and I worry personally on the Bucks' behalf that I just worry whenever a team yeah. with high expectations, is playing an entire season with this anvil hanging over their head. Every three-game losing streak becomes like a referendum on the future of the team. Every injury, every does Chris Middleton have another two, three-week absence, and what does that mean for the team? Uh, Drew Holiday is extension eligible in the middle of the season. Like That will be a talking point until it's not a talking point anymore. If I'm... And, and this is why tying to Harden, like I said this a couple of weeks ago, if the Sixers could just ever get their shit together, I'm looking at the Bucks and I'm like, they're, I'm a little nervous for them. I'm looking at the Celtics and I'm like slightly not nervous is too strong because they're going to be amazing as long as the Jays are healthy. But they got to reinvent themselves a little bit. They have a lot of centers, three centers, three of their top seven guys are centers, uh, all either old and or injury prone. I, I just, I, what is your reaction? Let's start here. What is your reaction to the Giannis stuff in general? So I always view superstar statements like this, superstar statements on my future in comparison to other superstar statements on my future, okay? And uh, there are a few in recent memory who I think have handled this very poorly or just left things to be a big mess. And, and I think in a way, Giannis being very on message. Like I, I feel like when somebody starts to repeat the same verbiage, 
Like, I only want to be there if we all want to be on the same page and win a championship. Like, he's clearly workshopped that answer. Like, that is going to be his answer, his coded language for, I am not going to stay if we don't have a championship team. Okay? And I kind of like that he's on message, A, because we're going to keep getting this same answer now. He's made this pretty clear. And B, it gives us clarity. It gives everyone in Milwaukee clarity. It gives everyone in the league clarity. This is what Giannis is thinking about. He's not bluffing. He's not just trying to get attention. This is where his head is. Adjust accordingly. Adjust your plans accordingly. And compare that, Zach, to like Kevin Durant when he was with the Warriors. Compare that to, well, Kevin Durant when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's, there's probably only three or four guys who fall into this category of too good to trade, like, I think Kevin Durant was too good to trade in Oklahoma City, too good to trade when he was with the Warriors. Giannis, to, in my mind, is probably too good to trade. Like, you have to just play it out with him as long as you can and then hope for the best in free agency. Um, but I don't know. We'll see how the Bucks end up handling this. But it, as you mentioned before, I think people in Milwaukee knew that he felt this way, knew this was coming, were planning for it. We can talk about whether or not the – Mark Lazary selling part of his ownership stake was, you know, maybe had this thought process in mind or had this in the back of his head. Okay. But I, I, I think, is, I think probably, I think, yeah. I think as a contingency, I think that probably entered his calculus <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It has to. Um, but let's, let me, I, I went and looked this up um, of like ages of the Bucks players. I mean, this is, this is a team that, you know, you have Drew holidays, what 33, Brooke Lopez, 35. I mean, this is an aging roster. And if you get to the other comparison, I think, is Steph Curry, um, who fits this category of superstars who's way too good to trade. The Warriors have never let Steph get anywhere close. And the one year that we even started asking this question is of of what are they going to do if this team is not good enough for Steph to win? How would Steph handle this? they got good again real fast, right? There was, there was, there were two lean years. They were in the lottery, but it was because of injuries and they bounced back so quickly that it wasn't an issue. And now Steph is locked up long-term and they have doubled down on the guys who seem to give Steph a chance to win youth and rebuilding plan. Be damned. Like, let's just go all in Thelma and Louise off the cliff and tell Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green forever. Right. What did Thelma and Louise do? Did they rob banks? What what was their uh, thing? Yeah, they oh they well the, at the beginning I think um, was it Thelma who killed somebody? I don't know. It Something doesn't happen matter. to her at a bar. I got it. You know stuff. what? That's a good. I might rewatch yeah. that. I'm to steal it's from the rewatchables. Movie. I might rewatch um, that. And movie. then Brad Pitt was the one who was robbing banks. Well, young picked, Brad they Pitt. They picked him up on the. Ooh. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Young shirtless Brad Pitt and Thelma and oh. Louise. Woo. Oh. Exactly. All right, we've really we lost know control. all about young Brad Pitt and that. Little okay, Warriors. Um, so the Warriors anyway. <laughs> are the Warriors are an anomaly, right? Yeah. Like what's happening to the Bucks? And you said you looked at all the ages of their players, yeah. and you saw a lot of threes. Everyone's thirty yeah. or over of the key guys, and now you've got younger guys like Connaughton, who's not that young, but Grayson Allen and Beauchamp. We'll see what he becomes. But the core guys are thirty plus thirty five in Brook Lopez's case. Chris Middleton, thirty two. Yeah, they're all and 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 you know. Um, and the Bucks have traded a whole bunch of draft picks to build this team, which has robbed them of the ability to get yeah. young players into the pipeline. And they have one first-round pick left to trade this season. We're going to talk about that later, either 2029 or 2030. And I think those picks will be valuable. Um, 
But this is generally what happens to great teams. You yeah. trade the future for the present. This is why LeBron James cycles from team to team to team because yep. as soon as he's on the team, they're trading the future for the present. And then when the future, the present team peters out, he's got to find another team that has enough assets to build a real winner around him. The Warriors are an anomaly because in the span of, what, two years or three years, they drafted three Hall of Fame players that are all roughly the same age, and they've kept them together the whole time, which has given them at least a fighting chance to stay relevant and in the championship picture for longer. Dirk is the norm. What happened to Dirk in Dallas is the norm. What happened to Kobe in Los Angeles, now they had the POW sort of resurgence, but the end was kind of depressing. Like That's the norm for a guy who's a one-team guy. Um, You mentioned the Durant precedent. In Oklahoma City, and I totally agree with you. There was that was the correct play by Oklahoma City to just say this guy is going to be one of the ten to fifteen greatest players of all time. Yep. We're not trading him. I honestly think this is just my educated gut, and it's way too early. Let's flash forward this season and say the Bucks lose in the conference finals, which I think would count as a failure um, for Giannis for this whole like we got to be all in on winning. Now maybe it's a seven game or it's competitive, but that that's short of where the Bucks want to get. Speaking of failure, by the way, do these Giannis comments about we got to be all in on winning? Is it okay now to say that the Bucks season last year was a failure or is it still steps yeah. to success? Can we just call it what it was? It was a failure. Yeah, we didn't exactly line up the messaging from his postseason press conference. Like so, whenever so, they so, workshopped whatever his line was going to be, in addressing his future, didn't didn't line it up from last season. The press yeah, it was just. A fa- I said it to them. I was like, why are why are we why are we um, yeah. why are we soft pedaling around this? You, you guys yeah. lost in a horrible fashion in the, the first, first round. round. Um, um, so let's say that that happens. <laughs> then you get to the off season. He's got one guaranteed left year left on his contract. Everyone that you just mentioned is one year older. He has already told you that if I don't think this team can win big, win all the way, I'm going to go somewhere else. If you ask if, if that all of that plays out, just as I said, conference finals, second round, whatever you mm-hmm. think is a disappointing buck season, I think they actually might trade him. And I think part wow. of the reason why Giannis is being so out there about this is almost doing the Bucks a favor in that sense that they will have that clarity that you mentioned. It, this is just, I don't I'm not like more than 60 40 on this. It's way too early. There's a million things that can yeah. happen between now and then. Injuries could happen, etc. My gut says if this goes badly this season, they will not just bury their head in the sand and play it to the end just because he's too good to trade. And he is too good to trade. He's 28 years old right now and he's one of three to four guys max who for any given year can be the best player on earth. Um I just and, and I can tell you this, I mean, you know as well as I do, all the teams with stuff and all the teams with markets that he might want to go to in their view anyway, are already prepping for this potential yeah. reality. I think we're gonna see teams maybe keep their powder dry in season in, in anticipation of this. Um and I'll tell you the other the the other quote unquote winners here, um, if if this goes this way, and it's too early to say that, the Pelicans have the Bucks pick in 2025 if it's top four, and unprotected in 2027, and Ooh. swap rights in 2026. Ooh. All of a sudden, those picks, which were kind of afterthoughts for a little bit, look important. The Knicks have the Bucks pick in 2025 if it's five to thirty, which mm. actually is probably a little bit less protection than the than the Pelicans would want on it since they own yeah. one to four. The Knicks own five to thirty. That becomes 
a much more valuable asset now than it was before. Again, if all of this yep. um, doesn't uh, go to fruition, I, I actually want to start here. Before we go to the fake Giannis trades, okay. I mentioned that one pick the Bucks have at their disposal. If I'm them, and I got to win the title this year, in my view, that's the pressure I'm putting on ourselves. We either got to make the finals mm-hmm. and 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 convince them that this team is legit for a couple more years, yeah. or win the title. In which case, maybe Giannis signs like a one plus one or something shorter term. Like, okay, Drew, Chris, Brooke, yeah. I think we got another year or two in us. I'll re up shorter term. I'm looking at that pick, and I'm looking at Grayson Allen's expiring deal plus Pat Connaughton. Um, Grayson Allen plus Bobby Portis and trying to find a 15 to $20 million player who helps my team more than those guys. The problem is all of those guys are good. Bobby Portis just got off team USA. He was one of the six man of the year candidates Mm -hmm. last year. Grayson Allen's expiring. Grayson Allen's a decent player. His expiring contract in this new CBA regime where everyone's paranoid about hitting the apron and the cap. That's a, that's a valuable trade ship. So it's actually hard to find a player who is worth what could be an enormously valuable pick, a decent rotation player on a decent contract. That's enough of an upgrade to justify that kind of outlay. But I think they will try and do that. And I have some names if you want some names. Yeah, I want some names. I, I mean, I was, I, as you were talking, my, my mind was pinging through Bobby Marks's salary cap sheets. But, but what you, you've clearly thought about this and I like it. So, I, I've said this in the in May and in June, July. I don't know when the hell because they happened, need they need some help in the backcourt, right? Is that is that what you're well, thinking? I I think just I think at this point, just give me some talent. And so I think that was their they they kicked the tires on John Collins, who got traded to Utah yep. for nothing really. Mm-hmm. I, maybe that's a name. I think Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit is an interesting name for a lot of contenders. Um, he's on a short and semi-expiring deal. His shooting, I think, could mm-hmm. it be interesting? Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, I, I think, you know, you might hear those names as, as if those guys are on your favorite team, if you're a Nets fan, if you're a, a Jazz fan, if yeah. you're a Pistons fan, and say, really, if one first-round pick and, you know, a decent player, that 2029 first-round pick, if it's unprotected, is going to be considered very, very valuable around the league because of the uncertainty of the Bucks' future. Uh, Norm Powell came to mind, but the Clippers have a yeah. bunch of bunch of balls in the air let's say deandre hunter just like if the hawks want to get off his contract and a guy that he might not be worth this package but to your point about what kind of player are they missing an organizer a legit point guard on a team that's not trying to win i I might look at tyus jones if i were them uh from washington via memphis i like it i think I think the Bucks are going to be pretty active on that particular market to try to get one more thing and really make a better and deeper run at it this year. That's a good call. Yeah, I, I think they have to be right, and 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 that's what clarity gives you. So the other the other guys that fall into that too good to trade, we have to just play it out. Would be LeBron in each place he left, essentially, right? Cleveland the first time, Miami. And then Cleveland the second time. And I actually thought LeBron each time did a better job. The first time in Cleveland obviously didn't do a great job of messaging there. You know, when you go back to that decision. Um, but in Miami, I, I thought, like, they went to the finals that year, Zach. Like, the year he left, they went to the finals. I remember being in Miami for those finals. And, thinking, and I think the uncertainty around his future 
hung over that team like an anvil. It's just that they were so talented and the East was so kind of bereft of true rivals to them that they made the finals anyway. And and that might actually be the best comparison, right? Like the the Miami LeBron leaving. Um, He ended up getting a better option, right? Cleveland was younger, had some stars, and then was willing to trade for Kevin Love, et cetera. Um, But I think when you look at the last year he left Cleveland, do you remember the press conference he had, which was just an absolute masterclass of a press conference where there was 25 things for him to address And I remember him saying, all right, guys, this is how it's going to go. We're going to go through all the topics that you want to ask me about. And once we hit the topic, we're not going to go back to it. So if you ask me about my future, I'm going to give you my answer there. But don't ask me about my future 25 minutes later. Okay, we're going to give that answer. We're going to stay on that topic. And then we're going to move on to the next topic. And I was like, wow, like you who's running this thing? Okay. Not the media, I guess. Yeah, not the media. And it was really impressive. And he had he had a great answer that I'm sure he workshopped with his advisors. Um, and it was the first time he answered it, the, that question that year. And it was, he, when asked about it again later throughout the year, he was pretty honest. And when LeBron left Cleveland the second time, they also went to the finals and lost. But there were no hard feelings. And I think that's kind of what Giannis has done here, which is – he framed the discussion like he just took a, uh, an interview with Tanya Ganguly from the New York Times and then a 48 minutes podcast with you know, his form, one of his former assistant coaches when early in his career. And then our friend Bruce, Bruce Bernstein and just grabbed the mic and said, this is how it's going to be. And, and I think because we have this clarity, the, the conversation you are having about either fake Giannis trades or what do the Bucks do? I would like to suggest another thing the Bucks could do because you're you're looking at things they can do to improve the roster that don't include trading Giannis, right? Or their core for for, for this particular season. For this particular yes. year, what if you do trade some of the core? What if you look at Drew Holiday, who is extension eligible, and will give you some feedback on whether he wants to sign that extension or become a free agent? What if they're third or fourth in the East and Drew is not willing to sign or commit long-term? Do you look to trade him? You can get, well, then, I don't know how the, much you get if he's a, he could theoretically be a free agent, but do you look to trade Chris Middleton once he becomes av- available to trade? Do you call Houston? Say so you had interest in Brooke Lopez then. Do you, do, you, do you have interest in him now? And just reacquire some assets, just build back up the asset pile and then try to take another swing next summer? What what are you suggesting happens to Giannis in that scenario? Because if I'm if I'm him, I, that's a tough that's a tough sell given Milwaukee with cap space is not yeah. going to be a draw for free agents probably. Although with him it might be different. Well, I mean, look at look at what the that Lakers feels did like last pulling year. that feels like pulling the plug on the whole thing to me. I I think that that is similar. The, the Lakers were in a very I don't want to say similar. It was different, but. But a, 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 another boxed-in situation last last year when they had Westbrook, who was expiring with a giant number, you mostly had to incentivize somebody to take his contract um, by by either giving up an asset or being willing to take on a lot of money, and, and they were able to do it. They were able to completely redo that team by trading one. You know, I wouldn't call Russ one of their big three, but in the way the team is constructed, in salary cap wise, he was. He was a significant piece. Um, 
I think you would find value for any of those guys in their core. And you use that to either get a young player that can help you. That's more on Giannis's timeline to get more draft picks. Or I mean, Houston has a, a million draft picks. Like if that's the way they want to go. Um, there's a lot of teams that are sort of pivoting from the, I can, uh, we have the nice young team to, we should probably start winning now. We can't keep being in the lottery. There's a, there's a couple of those teams, I think, Orlando or maybe, or, um, Oklahoma State, I don't know how long, how when, how much longer are they going to keep oh, doing we're, this? Oh, we're going to talk about those teams. Don't worry. Right? The, there's a lot of interesting ideas where you you somehow you can get you can get younger, and you could reacquire some assets if you're willing to break up the the core around him. It's a dangerous play, but it's a creative play, and it, and I, I I don't know. I like I, I kind of like that concept better because there there's a market for all those guys. Go the other way with me. Okay. What teams should we just be watching? If, if, if this, I mean, and this is like, Giannis, this is an, this, this is an earthquake. Like if this yeah. happens, Oh yeah. can you imagine if both he and Joel Embiid get on the trade market at the same time? Like that's, that's, those are things like everybody puts plans on hold Whoa. for those kind of guys. What teams would you be watching? I mean, and we did this dance before he signed the extension yeah. uh, the last time when they traded for Drew Holiday. Um, and he, and convince him to stay. So some of the teams that we did this dance with last time will be will be in this discussion again. But who would you be looking at? Um, the top three that come to mind are are the Knicks because they really do have a lot of assets. It's a big it's a big market, um, and they've they, you know they've sort of kept they they didn't make that Donovan Mitchell trade. They have some interesting interesting young players. They have a lot of picks. Um, I think they're very well positioned. Brooklyn's very well positioned as well. If they if they could convince him to want to sign there long term, but every but this is where market matters, right? Because if he's either a pending free agent, like you don't give up everything if you don't know he's going to stay there long term. I think the Lakers have to be in that discussion. I don't know what the hell they would trade for him, um, but they they have to be in that discussion. They have now some good contracts of interesting young players that they either drafted and developed or signed as a free agent and developed looking at Austin Reeves there. Um, there's Jared Vanderbilt who are Dave McManaman just reported signed a nice, a nice team friendly contract extension. Um, there's like, I think the Knicks and the Lakers pop to the front of my mind. And then of course you have to bring up the Miami heat. I mean, it just, that's the team that's whenever there is a star that may become available, you have to bring up the heat. So I think those three are the first ones you the first ones you start with. I would say the Warriors. I just because of um, there's a obviously there's a relationship with him and and Steph Curry. They they know each other, et cetera, um, and there's a synergy there. But I don't know how they would get that done or how those timelines match up. But that that's an interesting one to bring up as well. Well, Giannis, um, I'm Giannis sure you've is, come up with a lot of a lot Giannis of is a player where I don't care about the timelines matching up. He's just yeah. like I just like want to get him He's on good my enough. team. Um, so uh, a couple a couple of uh, all of those teams you mentioned are in my in my big big long list of teams, and it will be long if it ever would come to fruition. Uh, what the Knicks have going for them is they can return that 2025 Bucks pick to Milwaukee. Um, mm. The the second part of it and. Yeah. You know, if you're the Bucks, you want picks from the team that gets Giannis are not that appealing 
because that team is probably going to be very good because Giannis will be on it. The idea of getting picks from teams who are not that team, from third teams, including yourself uh, as the Bucks, is an interesting one. The Knicks issue is I just don't know what the blue chip talent is, if any, that they have. You know, are the Bucks that excited about R.J. Barrett or Emmanuel Cookley, who's extension eligible yeah. right now? Uh, Lakers, they're just handicapped by the lack of picks. I mean, they have the they owe the pick to New Orleans, which New Orleans can kind of screw the Lakers by deferring it from 2024 to 2025. They owe the pick to Utah in 2027, which turns over immediately. So they can, t- after the draft, they could trade 29 and 31. Is that enough? Eh, I don't know. Brooklyn, Brooklyn's got picks from everywhere, right? And again, that that goes to what I was saying before of like, I it, can I can I get a Suns distant pick instead of the pick that from the team that Giannis is going to? The problem with Brooklyn is, if I'm Giannis, Mikhail Bridges has to be on the Nets if I go yeah. there. This is the Durant thing over and over uh, over yeah. again. In that, like, whatever, if you're looking for a team, the team's got to have a lot of young assets and picks or like at least one blue chip young player and picks that it can shove out the door and still have enough win now talent on hand for Giannis to think I can win the championship immediately with this group. That's a hard balance to strike. We saw with KD. Um, and if there's no Mikhail Bridges there, like I'm not that interested in going yeah, to Brooklyn. Well, point? And if there's no Mikhail Bridges in the trade, am I that interested if I'm the Bucks? Um, Warriors were linked to Giannis the last time. There was a lot of noise in the media about that. They owe this pick to now Boston, top four protected this year. After that pick conveys, they can trade 26, 28. They owe this weird top 20 protected 2030 pick to the Wizards. They can trade the top half of that. They have some interesting young players. They would try to get involved, I'm sure. Can I give you just rapid fire some other ones? Yeah, go. I like it. I mean, New Orleans has Milwaukee's picks. I don't even want to say what I think think of New Orleans. Like, let's just say Zion is not working out. Yeah. Just saying. They got stuff. You can say it. People have definitely said that. (laughs) Right? Toronto. but, But then I bring up, but then I bring up the counterpoint of always, if he could be a free agent, would he give them any kind of long-term commitment that he would? Would he want to go to New Orleans? Yeah, no. Yeah. This is this yeah. is a mark. I mean, like, look, Oklahoma City and Houston, and particularly Oklahoma yes. City, have everything any team could possibly want, including like yes. take your pick. You don't want our picks because we're going to get a, a superstar in this trade. You want a clip? You want some Clippers picks? You want some Rockets picks? You want they like, take whatever pick, short whatever team yeah. you want to short because we got picks from everybody. Is he? Is he going to go to Oklahoma City? Is any superstar ever going to choose Oklahoma City? Maybe. I don't know. So maybe somebody will. And Oklahoma I don't know. When City, I look at that, I keep coming back to the Thunder, too, for every single superstar who may be on the move, which is if you're a superstar and you say that you want to win and you're looking at that roster with Shea, with Shea and the, what he has just done in Canada, for Team Canada, first team All-NBA, I, mean, I want to play with that dude. Like, I want to play with that dude. And all the other assets they have, like – you really could – they have enough assets and they have a superstar already there in SGA that they can build a super team tomorrow if they have the stomach for trading for whoever and hoping they want to stay. And they have three, at least three, legit, very enticing prospects that 
a team could talk themselves into being multi-time All-Stars. If you're Absolutely. high on Josh Giddy, that's what you think he's yep. going to be. If you're high on wing Jalen Williams, that's what you think he's going to be. If you're high on Chet Holmgren, that's what you think he's going to be. Where I could, like, they, they could have a couple of those guys left over yeah. after a big trade. Uh, it's just no, they have no history of drawing superstar talent there yeah. voluntarily. I mean, Paul George did get traded there and extend and then ask for a trade very quickly. Not that quickly. A couple, you get a couple years. Um, yeah. uh, and they historically have tried to get players who are under longer term contracts. Toronto. I mean, the same reason that Scotty Barnes was the first name I mentioned yeah. when Durant became available. Um, they have, uh, after this draft, assuming they convey this pick, they owe the Spurs a top six protected pick for mm. the Jakob Pertle. Assuming that conveys, they then control all their draft picks going forward after the 2024 draft, which would become a landmark event in this case because a lot of these wow. picks become tradable or a lot of these uh, obligations are erased after that draft. You know, and you have... Yeah, if I like, if you're the Raptors, for instance, and you've been tied to him before. Although I, yep. I did unearth an old clip of um, Giannis going on Serge Ibaka's "Are You Hungry?" <laughs> show. Yeah, and Serge Ibaka asked him, "True or false? Will you ever play for the Raptors?" Serge was on the Raptors. Wow, at this go point. Serge! And Giannis said, "False," but it was it was delivered kind of flip. Like if yeah. if I asked you, like true or false. Will the Warriors win two more championships during okay. Draymond Green's career? You would just, like I might just say false. It doesn't necessarily mean yeah. I'm a hundred percent, you know, false. Yeah. But it, um, that was one. Miami, I've got. It's just a matter of the same issue they're facing with Dame right yeah. now. Is their package is not super duper enticing. You mentioned Orlando. Yep, they're like one of these sleeping giant markets where players like Orlando. Yes. A lot of people, a lot of famous people have retired or like built homes in Orlando. Yeah. Your favorite golfer lived there. Right. Uh, not, not my favorite golfer. Yeah, but generally. I don't, I don't really know very many golfers. Um, my favorite golfer is the guy. He might, you know what? I'm not, because I just don't know if this guy's a bad guy, but I like, remember the guy who smoked on the course? Not John oh, Daly. Yeah. The other was yeah. another guy who smoked on the course. I like that guy. Um, uh, Orlando at some point has got to put the pedal to the metal. And if they could ever make an offer for a star that didn't include Paolo Bancaro and Franz, and Franz Wagner, and they have like all their picks, they have a Denver pick. They have yep. all their seconds, literally all of them. They have Jalen Suggs, Anthony Black, Jet Howard. Like they can overwhelm you with stuff. Um, look, I, I think it would be awesome if Giannis stayed in Milwaukee his entire career. I love visiting Milwaukee. Um, so let's hope none of this, this is all just goes in the dustbin of history and the Bucks have an amazing season and he decides he wants to stay. But I just, I could continue to be surprised, even if this is not news to the Bucks mm -hmm. brain trust, that he has decided to go out there. This, it's not even aggressive is not the right word. I, it would just be easier to say, I'm going to talk about this after the season. I want to win this season. I want to focus all in on this season. I'm, a, I'm just a little surprised. That's all. You know, I'm surprised because we so often get passive aggressive answers or no answer or no clarity. And I guess if I'm if I'm a Bucks fan, I don't like hearing this, of course, but um, I sort of appreciate the clarity. I, I like when guys are clear and I and he has given the organization, the fan base clarity of what he's thinking and how they should be thinking and adjusting. And it sort of empowers them to make moves, whereas if you if you played it the Durant way, right in Oklahoma City, I'll never forget that 
that Lee Jenkins article for Sports Illustrated where it was like riding around. I mean, I really think when I read that story, I'm like, oh, he's staying. He's staying. Well, and, and that also, was like what, a couple of weeks before that he left. So here's a one man sample size for you of a Bucks fan yeah. I met in Prague in in over vacation. Uh, we, he, he, he How did you know me. he was a Bucks fan? Bucks shirt, or did you? Just no, he came up. He from? came up to me, and I was Got like, it. "What's your team? Who's your team?" And yeah. this was like two days after Giannis had made his comments to the New York Times and Tanya Ganguly. Um, and I said, "Man, you get what, what do you think?" He's like, "You know what? Me and my friends were all resigned to the possibility, and the guy won a title here. And and yeah. like if, if he if he decides he wants to leave, he's going to be beloved forever. Winning in a championship-starved city." just gives you license yeah. to do whatever you want. Not that you don't have it to begin with, but I don't think there would any be any resentment from Bucks fans if if it went this way. But let's hope let's hope it does. Yeah, I mean that's that's LeBron in Cleveland the second time. He brought a championship to Cleveland. He played every single minute or not minute, every single game of that season. He played all eighty two and all the playoff games. He left every single bit of himself out on that court, even though they lost in the finals. There can be no hard feelings. And the Cavs ended up being in a, in a pretty decent place pretty quickly afterwards. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. Let's pivot to a team that you yeah. know very well. Om Young Masuk uh, had a sit down with Draymond Green, two Spartans <laughs> sitting down at Michigan State. I know. Um, and uh, Draymond said many things as Draymond is wont to do. Uh, among them, why not two championships? Why can't we win two more championships together with this core, which I assume mm-hmm. he defines as himself, Steph, uh, Clay, Steve Kerr, whatever surrounding talent you want to put? Why can't we win two? Um, they re-signed Draymond to a very reasonable extension, traded Jordan Poole in a first-round pick for Chris Paul. Gary Payton II presumably will be healthy after not being healthy um, All year. when they got him last year. Yep. Moses Moody's a year older. Jonathan Kaminga's a year older, which is good. They have yeah. th- These are all reasons for optimism. Uh, Clay Thompson is extension eligible now. Um, two more titles. If I set the over under 
at number of Golden State Warriors titles during the remaining years of Steph Curry's career. Let's define it as Steph Curry's career because Steph okay. is Steph is the franchise. Yeah. If I set the over under at zero point five titles, huh, Ramona like Shelburne, it. are you taking the over or the under? Because if you set it at two, I'm taking the under. I'll tell you that right. Oh yeah, now. I'm taking the under if it's two. I will take the over. You set it at zero point five. I think they get one more, and five is a big one. I mean, those of us who keep track of these things, like if you're at four, there's a lot of guys with four, a lot of superstars, a lot of Hall of Famers, all these guys, you know, Hall of Famers. Okay, but if you want to be that next rung up, you got to get to five, and that's that's where you get Magic and Kobe and LeBron. Still, you know, that that's where that's where that fifth title really matters now michael with six that's i i don't know if they get there i think that's that's harder lebron's still trying to get there obviously like that's a um that's the next mountain that you can even talk about but i think they get one i don't know how they get it i just think that they're they still have a really good team they're going all in this year there's reason to believe they will be good for two or three more years and they have some interesting young players where they either get better and contribute or they get good enough they can use them to trade for something better um the only thing that gives me pause is the new cba is this idea that they can't they they literally cannot keep that budget they literally cannot keep paying all that luxury tax um and be a functional team in this league right it's 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 not just about whether your owner is willing to pay all that. It's you have no maneuverability if you are. And every single team that has deep-pocketed owners like this has sort of hit that reality check with the new CBA and all the restrictions it puts on your team. Well, and except they, for except for the Suns, yeah. they really kick in next year, next year. Uh, next or year. this this July one when the calendar NBA's calendar turns over because that's when. You have limitations if you're over the second apron. Like you can't aggregate players yeah. in trades, which is, I mean, I, I, I don't think even some front office executives are uh, when I go out to drinks or whatever with them are like, yeah. boy, that one, whew, we're kind of still coming to grips with yeah. that one. That's a big one. Um, uh, to to your point, uh, so I will answer my own question. Look, far be it for me to argue with Stephen Curry, one of the greatest players of all time. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green is a let me let me say this clearly. Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer today, right now. Will be in right the Hall now. of Fame. Clay Thompson is one of my all-time favorite players. Hall of Fame. These guys have achieved more in a small span of life than I will achieve in my entire life. That's my preface. I'm taking the under on zero point five. Ooh. I just I I just think win, winning a title is really really hard, yeah. and they're getting. I, I, could they win one? Absolutely. I was super high on them two years ago, and they paid me off with the championship win. They still, I still believe in the fundamental greatness of this core, the synergy they have together, the system that they play being so different from the way everybody else plays. Steph, of course, being the fulcrum of everything they do. I think they're a contender this year. I think they're an inner circle yep. contender this year. I like the Chris Paul trade. Uh, I like... All the stuff I said before about Moody, Kaminga, Peyton. I think Dario Saric will help them. He was yeah. fantastic for Croatia. Shout out Croatia in the offseason pre-Olympic. pre. <laughs> it's like the pre, 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 pre. You really sucked for several years qualifying tournament to get into the qualifying tournament to get into the qualifying tournament for the Olympics. I think they can win the title this year. If you're just asking me, like, if you ask the computer simulate the next 10 seasons a thousand times, mm-hmm. I would bet you 
zero is the most common answer between zero, one, two, and three, which is seems insane. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under. But I do think they got a shot. Uh, you mentioned the CBA. What can you tell us about Clay Thompson's extension uh, extension situation, if anything? Yeah. So there are there are two of that core that don't have their long-term futures secured, right? Steve Kerr is another one. We, we should, we should mention that too. Um, I think last year when there were some discussions around Steve Kerr and whether he wanted to extend or whether they want, how much they would pay him to extend, um, they were short conversations. Yes, they want him back, but, uh, the number that, that they discussed was not in the ballpark yet. And I think that number will actually be close to where it, they land because of the contract Monty Williams signed and the contract Greg Popovich signed that coaching market has been reset. And so I think, I think Steve Kerr, if he wants to stay, will get what he wants to get. Clay Thompson is a, is a really interesting story. Um, he is a very valuable player, even with as much money as he makes right now on an expiring deal, right? He's, he's, he's great in terms of their optionality. And, and the way that they decide to build this team going forward. My understanding is that they have opened contract extension talks with Clay Thompson, that this is a slow process. So this idea that, okay, he's been eligible for a while and they haven't done anything, but no, they've started talking. They've exchanged proposals. It's been, um, there's been no hurry to these discussions. I think the, the optionality goes both ways, not necessarily like he's trying to leave, but just the optionality of, he didn't have a great year last year, so it behooves him to have a great year this year, and he becomes more valuable if he does. Behooves, I say. Behooves. Behooves. It's a good word. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm curious where they end up with that. They, they are definitely open to the idea of doing because they've opened discussions with Clay Thompson. Um, I think the years will probably be similar to what Dre, Draymond Green signed, um, which was a four-year deal. I think it'll probably be similar, you know. What, what I, I don't know where they'll land on team option, player option, yada, 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 but the, the timeline sounds similar. The money is going to be the question and how that fits with the new CBA, the new um, the restrictions that, that implies. There is uh, I know that the Warriors feel very strongly about keeping Klay Thompson and Draymond Green alongside Seth Curry, and it's the Warriors who feel that way, but that this, that place they arrived at is in strong consultation with mr curry i was Great. gonna say i know steph feels that way too yeah and f- with, with apologies listen. with apologies to the lake family um i cry no tears for their money <laughs> and if i'm steph curry in particular i lose no sleep over their money because yeah. i built it i yeah. steph curry without me there is nothing there's no chase center there's no gazillion dollar arena deal yeah, I, you have I, not what did they buy the words for four hundred million dollars or something at the time? At the time, a record price. It's now worth God knows how much. That's him. So if I'm Steph Curry, I'm going into Joe Lacob. I'm like, look, man, you can nickel and dime these dudes if you want. I I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about it. Pay them. And if I'm if I'm the Warriors, to your point about Clay, I point to the Draymond Green contract and just say, look, this is what Draymond did. It's 22, 24, 26, or twenty eight or something like that a year. 22, 24, 26, and then 28 player option. That's a that's a fair baseline to start with a player of what what Clay has done for your franchise. Um, and so I've heard Clay has had a fantastic offseason. 
um, yeah. in terms of his workouts and his conditioning, particularly compared to the last offseason when he was coming off injury, um, two devastating injuries. He was scared to yeah, pick up and, games. And, and didn't do anything uh, because he was scared. And understandably yeah. so, it's a very human thing. Yeah, that's how um, he got hurt the last time. So he, he didn't yeah. do any pickup games. They held him back in training camp because he didn't. And I've heard he's had a good offseason. And to yeah. me, I think he's the most important player on their team because I know what Steph is. I know even in his diminished scoring state, I know what Draymond is, and mm-hmm. I know I have faith in his passing and more than faith in his defense. Um, I, 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 the young guys, we'll see what they do. Looney, we know what he is. Wiggins, he's as rock solid as it gets. Clay is the wild card. If they get good Clay, and they did not get good Clay in the playoffs specifically, particularly yeah. against the Lakers, I think they can win the championship. If they get B minus Clay, I don't think they can. And I think he is one of the most important players in the league this season. I think he's their swing player. You can point to the young guys. Yeah, they need yeah. more. You know, and really, the Kaminga one is interesting because there's there's clearly been some stuff in terms yeah. of trust level between him and the coaches. There's some stuff with you know what does it mean that his jumper is shaky and he can't play the three next to Draymond and Looney and almost can't even like play super duper amount of minutes next to either of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he could play next to Draymond more. I mean, even, even Draymond and Looney, I looked it up yesterday. They only played 117 minutes together in the playoffs in 11 wow. games and t- only 27 against the Lakers. Like when the going got tough, the Warriors decided when, when huh. Anthony Davis took over the entire court on defense and obliterated yep. their spacing, the Warriors just decided we can't play these two guys together. And in fact, they struggled whenever they had two non-shooters on the floor, like Draymond and Peyton. Draymond, I mean, Peyton yep. was good. He can screen and roll. That's why I looked at, at, I look at Moody as a really interesting piece for them this year because they tried the Steph, Clay, Moody, Wiggins, Draymond lineup. They dabbled in it late in that Laker series when it was clear that Anthony Davis was going to destroy any lineup that had Draymond and Peyton, Draymond and Looney, Draymond and Kaminga, Draymond and, or Kaminga didn't even play really, Draymond and any other non-shooter. That's why Saric is interesting to me, frankly, as a wild yeah. card for them. Do you think Chris Paul starts or comes off the bench? Ooh. Uh, I think he starts. I think he starts. <sighs> for how long? We shall see. So I'm going to go, I think he comes off the bench to start the season, but I think he starts portions of the season when someone's hurt, when they decide we want to play small ball today and and bring Looney off the bench. So who does he start for? This is the question I keep Mm. asking people. If if Chris Paul starts... Yep, and your you, your reaction to it—you just made a noise like "woo." I know. I that's the noise I would make because I think this is a potentially delicate training camp. This is camp why you issue. pay Steve Kerr all those millions, right? <clears throat> if he if he starts, <laughs> who in their starting five, which was one of the best lineups in the entire NBA yep. last year, who is coming off the bench? Mm. You ask Wiggs to come off the bench? No. Do you ask Looney to come off the bench? They always ask Looney. Looney always gets the, okay, you can come off the bench, right? He's the guy Looney, that. Looney might be picking up like dry cleaning as favors for people. Poor guy. Uh, I mean, he's I so think good, though. I think I mean, it's got to be, I think it's got to be Looney. I think that's the only answer. Clay would be a really interesting answer. That would be. <clears throat> but it's people... Steph and Clay forever. You, I just, I just think it's the Splash Brothers forever. To me, 
I feel like this is how you play the Chris Paul thing is that it has to be his idea. Whenever he comes off the bench, I, by the end of the season, I think he's coming off the bench. But it, whenever, whenever he comes off the bench, I think it has to be his idea that he does what Draymond did in that series against the Kings and says, you know what, I watched that game I was suspended for and we played better when I wasn't out you know, with, with Looney at the five and in that smaller lineup, and I'll come off the bench. Remember that? Draymond just yeah. said, I'll, I'll do that. Um, After Warriors, stomping on Sabonis. Yes. The Warriors dynasty has been built by star players being willing to come off the bench or play a different role, right? Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, David Lee. Draymond Green gave such a shout-out to David Lee after he did that in the playoffs. Remember when when David Lee got hurt and Draymond kind of took his spot and David Lee was just the greatest teammate about it and understood, and even though I'm sure it crushed him because he had been a starter and he was a great player in this league for a long time, um, their dynasty has been built by star players who understood that this was the way the team needed to play to win. And Chris is joining a team that has done what he has not done, which is win championships. So he is a good enough basketball mind. He is one of the greatest point guards of all time. I think he's going to see it. I think he'll at some point raise his hand and see it. I think, of course, there's an ego there that's going to be barking. How could there not be? But I think he's going to, at some point, watch the way they play both ways and say, you know what, this is what we got to do. Maybe you're right. And Mark Spears said the same thing. Maybe they start that way just because it's just because it's Chris Paul and yeah. just say, let's give it a shot. We'll play you and Steph together. Yes, it's a three-guard lineup with Clay at the three, and Clay's kind of declined defensively a little bit since his injuries. So, like, yeah. is that line? And Chris is not the same defensive player he was two, three, four, five no. years ago. He's always in the right spot, but yeah, he's a little slower. He's old. Chris is old for yeah. a basketball player. Like, there's no nothing wrong with and, that. And by the way, Looney has the Phil's Coffee app on his phone, and he can go get his coffee, and he's okay. <laughs> and so let's see how it works. You know, maybe we Chris brings the ball up more and plays yeah. fast. Maybe Chris adapts and plays a little faster. But also, I think the Warriors need to take some of what Chris brings because they throw yeah. the ball all over the goddamn gym all the time, playing recklessly. They did it in the playoffs. They had the second highest turnover rate uh, in the playoffs. That's what Chris does. Chris comes yep. and yeah, he's gonna he brings a different style than they play. And he'll have to meet them halfway, but I think they've got to meet him halfway too. Sometimes, mm-hmm. if you have if you have Steph and Clay running around off the ball and Chris handling it, that's interesting. I just keep coming back to this: who's coming off the bench? People have pitched me Draymond because of that I King know. series. Yeah, I, I just no, I'm just a no on that. He's the best defensive player on the team by far. Yeah, he's the keystone to everything they do defensively. And I, I want to maximize Steph Draymond pick and rolls. I don't want to minimize that by breaking them up, even for a few minutes at the start of every quarter. I keep coming back to that, and I keep coming back to if the stated goal of this trade or one of the top two or three, publicly stated by Steve Kerr and Mike Dunleavy mm-hmm. Jr., is our offense stinks when Steph is on the bench. Here is a vehicle to single-handedly yeah. prevent that from happening again. Well, then I, I kind of want to maximize the minutes that Chris plays with Steph on the bench. And yeah. you can do that by starting them both and pulling one of them early. It just seems simpler to bring them off the bench. I don't think they've decided by a long shot. But maybe you and Mark Spears are right, and I'm just I'm just being uh, naive about the realities I mean, of this. 
I, I think how they get there, I think they get there where he comes off the bench. I just think it, 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 it comes from him. And he may walk into training camp and try to set the tone and say, all right, I'll come off the bench. So far, he hasn't said that in any of his public comments, right? Oh, no, um, he did not. He did not no, say that. He did not say that. Uh, look, I mean, you know, it's, it's a little like Westbrook in L.A. with LeBron and A.D. They, they got to the point where obviously he was totally ineffective with LeBron on the court. They couldn't play together at all. And he did not go willingly to the bench, but he went. And he eventually, Darvin Ham talked him into embracing it, air quotes. Okay, and he played well enough to sort of resurrect his standing in the NBA. Um, and then they could find a home for him and he could find a home for himself in L.A. with the Clippers. I don't know. I, Chris Paul is a totally different guy and a totally different player than Westbrook. I, I don't think it ever has to get messy like that. Uh, Chris is, you know, way just a, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. He's a different player and a different guy than Westbrook in that in, in how he'll handle this. So I think. I think that's where we end up by the end of the year, but it's a question of how we get there and how soon. Interesting. I, my last word is thought is, you know, the, the two timeline thing got so much press over the last four or mm-hmm. five years. And when they won the title, yeah, it was, it was, even I kind of fell for it a little bit. It was billed as like oh, vindic- vindication of the yeah. two timeline plan, even though the young guys contributed next to nothing. I mean, really it was just Wiggins, <clears throat> you know, which is, a, which is one of the ways they got one of these yeah. three lottery picks was through a, the ingenious yeah. Andrew Wiggins, the Angelo Russell trade, got them Jonathan Kaminga. Um, I just wonder if they – so they had three lottery picks in that two-year span. I just they, – they have to look back at that and wonder why did we spend two of the three on guys that we knew were projects in mm-hmm. Wiseman and Kaminga because – you just can't the two timeline thing when the guy yeah. uh, the guys on timeline number one are in their thirties. It's just not functionally possible mm-hmm. if you draft projects now. If like and we, we I don't need to go over the Franz Wagner, Tyrese Halliburton, all the alternate Lamelo Ball, all the other alternate choices they had because people make mistakes in the draft all the time. And I still mm-hmm. think Jonathan Kaminga is going to be a good NBA player. Wiseman, I don't. We'll see. Um, is now so far away mm-hmm. in, in in the nether world of the NBA right now. Um. You just even even like not that they should have drafted him, but just the knock on Desmond Bain was that he was too old as a mm-hmm. prospect. Well, it turns out Ugh. Desmond Bain walked into the NBA. He's really good. Like it yeah. just that hurts a little bit. But I do think the Warriors have a shot this year. Um, and part of it is just going to be health and, and, and keeping the old guys healthy and keeping Chris healthy. But I like the Chris Paul Jordan pool trade. I like the way he fits and kind of doesn't fits in and fits out in yeah. Golden State. I like I like yeah. that. Yeah. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream. Your team. Call 1 800 Direct TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. 
Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. I went. talk about james harden for 10 minutes let's do it let's do it you wrote a huge piece on the the inside the feud between james harden and the 76ers which i think as you correctly pointed out in your story is really just a feud between james harden and one person yeah um and that's daryl Morey. um i don't even know where i i want to start here so why don't i start at the end which is how do you think this is going to play out? Hmm. I have heard um, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, obviously you talk to a lot of people close to both guys and both people, both sides here. Um, there are some people close to Harden who say, absolutely not. He, he's never going to play for the game for them again. He's so stubborn. He's so hurt and betrayed. I can't see him ever doing that. And then there's other people who are, you know, I, this is, him ask, you know, him, him sort of suggesting he's going to come in and be in the best shape of his life and be amazing and reestablish his value in the NBA. And I don't know how they get there with it, whether that's for Philly or somebody else, but um, I know there's going to be a lot of reporters in Colorado Springs <laughs> right before Colorado. They're having training camp in Colorado, at Colorado State, right? And um, it'll be interesting to see if he shows up. Was Colorado um, State the football coach who said that? His mom taught him to take his hat and his sunglasses off when he's talking to people in oh, reference I, to Deion Sanders. Oh, that was it might Colorado be, State? That might be good call. <laughs> I mean, that's that was an interesting choice by Nick Nurse. I don't know. I don't, I, I'm, I'm curious to find out why he chose that. Um, they, I mean, they went someplace last year, too. It was, uh, they went to South Carolina or something. But um, You they, know, uh, I just want to briefly say. I hope Deion Sanders wears like an oversized pair of sunglasses to the game. I think they're playing Colorado State this week. A gr another grown person is yeah. not going to tell me no. what is okay for me to wear in a press conference after a game of people hitting each other and throwing a ball around the grass. Like I just like yeah. I can wear a hat if I want to. Colorado well, like State you, coach. Do I tell you if you want to wear a hat on your podcast, Zach? No. no. You wear a hat. You wear a hoodie. You don't tell people what to wear it. Their choice now. So that's where. So that's where they're doing yeah. training camp. Okay. So um, so he's gonna continue about. I, I I think he shows up. My 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 gut feeling is that he shows up, and they all work it out. I don't know if he and Daryl Morey work it out, but I think he has to compartmentalize, and just play it out. Nick Nurse. I mean, look, if you you hired this coach who won a championship with Kawhi Leonard, who never wanted to be in Toronto, who played it out, who literally was in a like got traded to Toronto, 
they they sort of talked him into being there. He he had no choice but to play there because he had sat out the year before in in San Antonio, or not sat out, but sat out a lot of games there. Um, uh, you know, I I think Nick can make that work. I think Harden has made um, he's kept the bridges open with his teammates. Um, I don't know if they're as strong a bond as they were at the beginning of the summer. His, you know, it's put them all in a tough situation as well. But he was invited to Joel Embiid's wedding. He did not go, but that that doesn't mean they don't like each other. They're still in communication. They still talk. Um, nobody, I think everybody involved has this attitude of this is between James and Daryl, and people in the NBA tend to be pretty good at not messing with other people's money and not getting involved in other people's business. And so like you haven't seen Embiid say anything about Harden. You haven't seen Tyrese Maxey or Tobias Harris. When they start training camp, they will all be asked about it. But I'm sure they've had a lot of time this summer to workshop their answers of, you know, we would love to have James back on our team and we understand things went wrong, you know, with their contract situation, but he's a great player and we, whenever he's ready, he'll help us. I'm sure they're going to all say something like that. And he just flat out has to play. I don't. I don't know how he can sit out. Well, the He's rule of the agent. the rule of the league, the rule. Of, I've said this ten times yeah. already. He has to show up. Yeah. Or else the Sixers, by this draconian rule yeah. that I did not know about, frankly, before the situation, can block him from being a free agent. Well, so he's no, going he can to show I, up and have back spasms. He can show up and have well, a, a barky hamstring on day one. Well, and that's the thing. I, I was talking to people at the league office about this after the board of governors the other day when they announced the yeah. new resting policy, which I, I frankly think is is fine. And it is that just, why it, is that why you in the background <coughs> we were sending you screenshots of you? In the yeah, back. you guys are mean. I didn't know I was on <laughs> in the this background. Is, this is the Zach face. I was t- all right. You know what? I, and you were right. I didn't have any facial hair that day. And I, I know, was, but you look like, really studious and serious. Like you might have been the only one in the room who got Adam Silver's four Sudafed references. He did. He he really hammered the Sudafed. He part. did. Um, uh, <laughs> so, great but, but, but but the back like, wow, the back spasms thing, or the or yeah. just the Harden coming and just loafing thing, which is a, a fear that people there have. Yeah. You know, I I asked people at the league office. I said, you just did this whole resting thing and. You know, I, I largely am fine with that. I, th- I think it's a little overblown and that it doesn't impact that many players or that mm-hmm. many games. They really care about the national TV games. There's the big yeah. national TV games is what they care about. And I, but I said, I was like, you guys are finding teams. Yep. Um, w- the presumption being that teams are asking these players to sit out, which I think in most cases is what's happening. It's a sports Correct. science medical decision. But I said, we saw it with Simmons. And we might we have this other thing. We, we don't know how it's going to play out looming. What about the opposite when the team wants the player to play yeah, and the player is, is not performing um, or, 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 or away from the team? And the response that I heard was like, look, the Sixers took Ben Simmons' money away. And they went yep. to arbitration and he got some of it back, but not, not nearly much. all of it. And what else are we supposed to do? Like, like we can't throw them in jail. Like they just like, so mm-hmm. that, I just thought that was an interesting aside. Um, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. I mean, look with Harden and in, in writing that story, there was a part of me, like when they asked me to write something, I was like, Oh God, aren't people sick of this story? There's a fatigue to it. Um, a, because we've all done this like three times before when he w- wasn't happy in a certain place, whether it was Houston or Brooklyn or 
you know, now Philly, I mean, it's we've seen the James Harden, I'm not happy, trade me scenario play. And up. part of that is lazy bounce passes to nobody across the court while I jog out of bounds. Like, yeah. we've seen that. What's interesting about Harden is that he is he has the kind of game, I think, that can age well. Like, you know, when Melo hit this stage in his career, it took a year or two for him to adjust and find a different role. And I wish he would have got there quicker because he had some other productive years that he left on the table that it took for him to go, oh, I'm still a really good shooter and I can, I'm big and I can play inside and I can be a stretch forward. I mean, he was... He, he got there eventually. I, I think James can be a productive player for a lot of teams. He can't get by people like he used to. Um, you, you saw that in the all season long last year. He doesn't, there is a, he has lost a step, but he is a brilliant passer. He is a brilliant offensive organizer. There was a sort of unwillingness on, on by the way, on both he and Joel's parts. Okay. They both tried to make it work, but Joel is not, you know, a natural pick and roll, dunk the ball, Clint Capella type that James wants to play with or has had a lot of success with. He's he's a pick and pop guy or he's a he I mean, if he rolls, it's one out of every eight and it's not natural and yada, yada. Um, if you talk to people in Philly, they can point to you five games that that you can tell where they don't quite mesh. They don't their games don't quite go together. James doesn't want to do catch and shoot threes. Joel's going to get a double. James is going to be open. He's good and he's a good shooter, but he doesn't want to shoot a catch and shoot. He wants to step back or he wants to dribble and do his get into his rhythm and play the way he plays. And so there's never been that natural fit between them. And yet Joel won an MVP and James led the league in assists last year. I was going to say, and I mean, yet, and yet, and yet I mean, it's it's still, even though it doesn't work, it works. <laughs> like it's well, just I, sort of, but I, because I, I don't yeah. think it doesn't work. I think that that's wrong. I think it works. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't work the way it worked with Clint Capella and Dwight Howard yeah. and whatever, but Joel roll, Joel half rolls and he rolls yeah, into yeah. that 13 foot area and that's yeah. money in the bank for him, or he's going to pass it out to somebody else. Like their pick and roll was flat out. One of the most dominant plays yeah. in the NBA. It worked. James Harden, went from being completely allergic to catch-and-shoot threes as if they were not allowed yeah. to, oh, I'll dabble. I'll take one yeah. and a half a game. I'll take one and a half step. Boy, uh, ben Simmons every time. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, okay. All gratuitous, right. gratuitous. My point is yeah. it worked. And you talk about in your story Harden sacrificing his game for yeah. Embiid and, and expecting perhaps – well, just sacrificing his game yeah. for Embiid. And like I'm like – two years removed from wanting to hear that it's not sacrifice. If the guy is just better than you and you, it's not 2017 anymore where you can just ISO 40 times at the top of the arc and win 60 games that way. It's, it's yep. not the guy is the MVP. It's not a sacrifice. If you're making $40 million averaging 22 and 12 and yeah. making, I thought he should have been an all-star last year. And I thought he was going to make all NBA until the last month of the season when he petered out. None of that is sacrifice. That's not that's not even sports sacrifice. I know, but in but when you have come from situations where you were unquestionably the man, okay, in Houston, unquestionably, everything was set up to treat you like a superstar so you could play like a superstar. Um there were things that I heard about, you know, film sessions and what they were able to say to him or show him in film sessions like let's just say it was he was unquestionably the man and very unchecked in his power and, and the way that he was allowed to operate in Houston for a lot of years. Um, 
I think when somebody starts to somebody started to check him, which was Doc Rivers, uh, you know, even though James wanted to play for Doc Rivers, J- James tried to get Doc to come coach him in Houston. After James that wants to play with everybody until he doesn't want to play with them anymore. Right. Like that's the pattern of his yeah. last ten years. You what? You yeah. picks all these dudes, and then he's like, "Yeah, but next." Yeah, it didn't quite work. Chris Paul, Westbrook, yeah, we can we can go through the list. Um, I think though. It's hard when I was writing that story to figure out where to start, right? Because there's so many places you can start. You could start with the last minutes of game six against Boston where they don't, you know, Joel doesn't touch the ball. And then he says so in the in the, in the the press conference afterwards. Like, he took one shot and then he never got the ball back. Okay, and by so the way, two... one of the best anecdotes in your story, yeah, and you can expound on it a little bit, sure. is a film session, or, or it wasn't a film Early session. Early in Houston. I, when he the same thing happened right it was a rockets yeah. game where james took all the shots I mean, down the stretch go look at this game it is it, it is like you watch this game and you go oh my god it was all there for us to see all year long it was december i think it was december 6th but let's just say sometime in early to mid-december and um it's a game in houston the rockets are not good james has missed like 14 games with a foot injury and he's coming back and um Joel has it going, 35 points, whatever. James hasn't shot well all night, as you would expect from a guy who's been off for a month. And But it's Houston, and this is like the place where there's a flirtation going on between him and the Rockets of like free agency. The big Woj story comes out on Christmas about his interest in the Rockets and their, their mutual interest, yada, yada. So this is right in that time frame. And when you come back to the town where you were the MVP, and it's a close game, even though it shouldn't be a close game, but it was a close game, there's this play, and it's like you can see what happens with you. You can just see his thoughts. He feeds the ball to Joel on a pick and roll. Joel fumbles the ball out of bounds. Okay, instead of dunking it, he loses the handle. He fumbles the ball out of bounds. They kind of argue with the refs, and Joel doesn't get the ball back. Like that's the last time James is going to go to Joel there. Joel gets doubled on the next play in the corner, finds James for a catch and shoot. Well, I think it was a step back officially. It was a step back. But James is open, and that's how it's supposed to work. Okay, they double Joel. He finds James. He makes the three. <sighs> James hits the big, the big shot right there. You can just feel like Harden is cooking. We're in Houston. He, it's a big shot. He makes it. And the next two times down, James with a little 13-footer from the elbow misses. Uh, there was a pick-and-roll opportunity on that with Embiid. He doesn't look for him. And then the last play, which is it's a, it's a rough one if you watch this last play. James gets the defensive rebound and pushes the ball. And Jalen Green had been guarding James, but they switched Kevin Porter Jr. onto him. And James Doc could have called timeout. There's the they had they had a timeout. He could have called it. He could have organized the offense, but he goes, he lets James play because James is a great game organizer. He's a great point guard, and he lets he trusts his player. So James calls his James runs takes the defensive rebound, runs down the court. And dribbles around. There's a pick and roll opportunity with Embiid. It's not. It's not the best screen from Embiid, but it was there. And James go, does what he does. He goes for the step back. But this time the Rockets know, like, well, James is going to do the step back because that's what James does. And Kevin Porter Jr. blocks it. Blocks the shot. It's the. Hey, by, it's, by the way, just an aside. Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. is facing horrendous um, uh, domestic violence charges. And the Rockets, according to the Athletic, are attempting to trade him along with draft I, equity to another team, and so they don't have to pay out his waive his contract. Uh, 
there are two there are two options for the Rockets here, and this is not one of them. Number one is wave him, and number two is, and this is what most teams would do. Yeah. Just say you're away from the team until this is resolved, and yeah. I, we don't want to see you. You're gone. That, but like, the- and no team, I, I would. Is some team going to be like, yeah, we got three second round picks for taking on Kevin Porter Jr. and then we waved him? I don't see that happening. You no, mentioned I his name; it reminded me that I yeah, should I say know. something. It, you, it, I'm glad you did. Um, but it's like that sequence at the end of the game. This is in December. This is like early on, and you can see it all play out. Like Joel didn't play the way James wanted him to play. He fumbles the ball out of bounds on the pick and roll. He doesn't, there's not the trust there. And then James doesn't get him the ball at the end. Now I'm going to come back to this because I think you have to, every time this happens with those two, James doesn't get the ball to Joel, but Joel doesn't demand it from James either. Okay. Like this is incumbent upon both of them. Like there is Joel Embiid is the scoring leader in the NBA. He's the MVP. If, if you're, Kobe Bryant is going to t- rip the ball from somebody's hands if he's in that role. And Joel is is sort of not confrontational in that way. And and he has every right to be confrontational when somebody's not getting you the ball and they're 4 of 19 or whatever it is. But this is what happened in December. It's what happened all year long. It's what happened when it mattered at the end. And, well, but what happened behind closed doors after that game? Yeah. So after that game, Docker, there's a film session and – Doc calls him out. He says, look at the tape. Like, these were – why aren't you getting the ball to Joel? you got to get the ball to Joel. And James said, I, I didn't think it was open. You know, I couldn't get it to him. I, it wasn't open. But it was a – the fact that he called him out in front of the team that early in the season, um, especially after some of the rumblings we heard out of training camp, you know, that clip that went viral of them in training camp, even that was on NBA Entertainment, um, I thought that was telling that their relationship was that rocky that early on. And that Doc was willing to call to, to call him out publicly in front of the team. Because that doesn't happen with superstars very often. But that's that's Doc Rivers. I mean, he does that. Uh, so there are, and- there are three instances like this that we know of. This film session in which James says, well, I couldn't get him the ball. Uh, the year before, the last game against the Heat in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which they lose yep. in the second round. James takes two shots in the second half, I think. And then after mm-hmm. the game says, well, the ball didn't find its way back to me. And then Game Six against Boston last year in the conference semifinals, where Philly had that had a chance to close that series out at home, and Joel didn't touch the ball barely in the last five minutes. And all of them answered this question after the game as if getting the ball to Joel Embiid is like discovering plutonium. They're like, "Well, just we just couldn't do it. Just we couldn't do it." I'm like, "You're the point guard. You're the center who's comfortable operating from the perimeter." And you're the head coach who's won yeah. a championship before and played point guard for a billion years in the NBA. Yeah. And you're getting asked, like, why didn't this dude touch the ball? And all your answers are just like, oh, we just couldn't do it or we couldn't figure out a way to do it. It's not calculus. Just no. like someone should be able to stop a game that you have to win. Or it's not yeah. must win, but they lost the next game by a thousand points in Boston. And just figure out that see the tall guy. Mm-hmm. He's got to get the ball somehow. It's not it's like what we do the entire season in every single game It's yeah. somehow like we can't do it anymore. It doesn't it's make any also, sense to me. And I'll, and I'll tell you this. I think this – I've said this on the show before and, and, and your show and on NBA Today. I think it's not just about those two guys or whether Doc Rivers, you know, how, how he organized the offense or whatever. It's when, – when you look at the way the Nuggets, who won the championship last year, play, it, does, it never comes down to could they get Jokic the ball. Like it never comes down to 
can Jamal Murray find a passing lane or can they set the, do they do the pick and roll or pick and pop? Do they find each other? Because they're moving, they're cutting, they're moving. The ball's finding energy. Or Jokic like, will just bring the ball up. Yeah. Or Jokic will just bring it up himself. Now I don't know that I can't see Embiid do that, but I, but I could see a, an, a reorganization or a recasting of how they play offensively to where Embiid who, by the way, watches, he's not the kind of guy that like I'm eliminated from the playoffs and I don't watch. He watches everything. And they, and for as much as Embiid and Jokic are pitted against each other in MVP races, there is a deep and great respect for each other. I think there might be a, a, a pining for that style of play. I think, I think, I think Embiid looks at that and goes, "We could, we should play that way. Like this is a great way of playing. That we're the, it's not incumbent on just two guys, or in, in this case maybe Maxi or Tobias to, to to get him the ball. I mean, now I feel like we're back in old like." Shaq era Lakers can can you get the big fellow the ball like this doesn't have to be that way in the modern NBA which is part of the reason I think Nick Nurse was very appealing for them as a coach uh I think Nick Nurse will do a great job there if given the opportunity to do it I also think Nick Nurse is the kind of coach who if James decides I'm just gonna not be fully engaged with the team I think Nick Nurse will just bench him um yeah if they I'm gonna read you two snippets from your story okay and I want you to reconcile them for me because yep. um, I think they are very reconcilable, and I want to hear your take on it. Uh, this second uh, snippet number one is <clears throat> from the summer of 2022, uh, the year that the the season that they traded for James from Brooklyn um, mm-hmm. and lost to the Heat in the second round. It's the okay. season he ended up signing the one plus one yep. for 35 million dollars, which gave them the space to get House and Tucker. Um, and this is what you write. Harden knew the reason he was, quote, sacrificing was that the Sixers didn't feel comfortable offering him a new maximum contract worth upward of $270 million, sources said, after the way he played following a midseason trade from the Nets. They were still evaluating him. Um, This wasn't so much a sacrifice as a mutual unspoken recognition. The dream of recreating the glory days in Houston had probably passed them by. That's summer 2022. Where you write like, yeah, James understood the max isn't coming. Okay, then we get to this summer. um, And you write, this is after they lose to the Celtics. Harden was eligible for a four-year, $210 million contract if he declined his $35.6 million option and became a free agent. And he was expecting a contract in that range, sources said, having Mm -hmm. taken less the previous summer and having left $161 million extension on the table from Brooklyn, which we don't even need to talk about. So how do we get from June, July, 2022, Harden recognizes the max dream has passed him by to June, 2023, Harden was expecting something like the four-year $210 million contract. Yeah. Um, is it is it just, hey, I did what you asked me to do and I was pretty damn yeah. good and we got pretty damn far? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally, okay, I did what you asked me to do and there was this sacrifice, okay? And you sold it that way, and I sold it that way. We all understood this wasn't option one for me. I mean, who leaves all that money on the table in Brooklyn and in Houston and then is totally fine not signing the long-term deal in Philly when it's when it's when when he's eligible? Um, and this is where I bring up a concept called anchoring bias, okay? This is where when somebody tells you this is what you're going to get, you're always comparing every other offer to what the first offer was. You're always – you're stuck on that. And so circumstances change. That's why they tell you when, when it's offered, say yes and worry about the details later. This is the modern NBA. You, you, you take the money when it's offered. You don't, I mean, in, in a lot of ways, this is the anti-Dame Lillard. 
Okay, he he doesn't take the money when it's offered, and just assumes that the money will be there for him because it had been there before with both Houston and Brooklyn. Dame takes the money in Portland and assumes, well, if it doesn't work out, they'll trade me. Neither has worked out this way. Um, in a way, I kind of respect James for sort of betting on himself and having that kind of hubris and confidence in himself. Um, one very important thing that I, I I should mention, I didn't write deeply about it in the story, but I think it matters. Um, Michael Rubin was a minority partner in the Sixers and is obviously a very good friend of James Harden's. Um, and he he was not involved this year. Like he sold his stake in the team. He fanatics is going in a different direction. They they um, they're getting into the gambling business, and then it doesn't make sense for him. He can't really be in the NBA in the way that his other business is going. And so, when you lose that connective tissue, when you lose that person who smooths things out, who has the relationship with the star, it comes down to the other person who has the relationship with the star, right? And that would be Daryl Morey, which is why all the the anger seems to be focused on Daryl. So. There's two or three people there that James had very tight, long-standing relationships with. Daryl Morey, Michael Rubin, Tad Brown, who's the president there. They all were in Houston. Not Mike Rubin, but Tad and Daryl. Um, and there was this sense of, like, these were my guys. Like, when somebody's, you know, when somebody really believes in you, Daryl Morey's made his career and his reputation because he saw what James Harden was and traded for him and, empowered him and then signed him to three different contracts there, one of which was the richest ever for an NBA player at the time. Um, he went and traded for him. He had to have him in, in Philadelphia. Like when the person who believes in you the most lets you down and doesn't come through for you with what you're expecting, that's why there's this betrayal. That's why he feels like he did everything he was asked to do, including, you know, swallowing hard and saying, yes, I'm sacrificing, right? Even though, I don't think that was his first choice. Um, that's why there's this hurt feelings. That's why there's this betrayal here. Now, you know, you can you can argue that this is just business and you should never let the emotion and the person person to person relationships get involved here. This and I think that's really what's happened here is that Harden was worth a max when he was in Houston. He was worth a max when he was in Brooklyn. Although you can go revisit that and and how how excited they were about what year four of that max was going to look like at the yeah. time. I think they just had to offer it to him because they had to, because they told Kevin Durant they would. Um, and they, if they're going to go for a championship with those three, they had to do it. Um, but he, he didn't play well enough <laughs> in Philly. They weren't, they weren't quite good enough those years and they didn't win. And so all of them are on the hot seat now, right? Like everyone's on the hot seat. Everything is under review in Philly. Cause when you go for it and you don't win a, you don't get paid and B changes are made. So Doc is gone. Um, he's the first to go. Let's let's see what happens if they don't win this year. I, I think everything's kind of up in the air. But um, this really, you know, maybe maybe this really comes down to you know Daryl and James had a long-standing, very mutually beneficial relationship, and things got personal. And when things go get personal and the business goes <laughs> bad, so does the personal. And I think that's why we've arrived where we are. You uh, and others have reported that um, there was no contact between Daryl Morey and James Harden in the days before the, the starting gunfires yeah. in free agency. You say in your story, but now when it mattered most, Morey wasn't taking calls from Harden's camp. And here's a quote from a source close to Harden. James felt like Daryl was ghosting him. 
mm-hmm. he felt betrayed. And this has been reported elsewhere, and the the reporting from you has also been um, coming off an off season in which the Sixers were dinged for negotiating early with PJ Tucker and Daniel House. They just were so, so paranoid about doing it again that they were just not even going to be yeah. in contact with James Harden until the starting gun um, went off. And boy, had James Harden just waited until then, yeah. an offer of some kind, not what he wanted, probably shorter, maybe not as much financially, but there was going to be something coming. So my question to you is, what did the Sixers, what did the Sixers think they were accomplishing by essentially obeying the rules of free agency and quote yeah. ghosting Harden? Was it really just the fear of a second tampering charge? Like if we do this again, the hammer is coming. Do you buy that as, as a real, as the real reason? Or was there some negotiating strategy that they were doing by doing that? Maybe it really is just like, if we get called doing this again, it's going to be a first round pick this time. Yeah. Um, I buy it. I think there, I think both things can be true, right? Like if you, there's always ways to, to get information to somebody. Um, but I think they, you know, look, you and I both know that they, he, they weren't giving him a max. I mean, he knew it. He wasn't getting another max there. So why would you have a little birdie go whisper in James's ear or something? You know, like there's a, there's a way that you can pass that information to him if you need to. Um, and it's not tampering. You know, there's always, there's always covert methods, right? I'm sure people are well familiar with those. Um, it, it, they, he wasn't going to like what he was going to hear. No matter what. So there's no hurry to tell him that and get into that. Um, and also, I do buy the tampering thing. I really do. I think that the NBA was very clear with them. And in, in this situation, because it was so hot last year, they really did have to be careful. So it was – this is where I think also, you know, he's had different representation ever since – so his his last agent agent was Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka was his agent that he had all through those Houston years. Uh, when he signed his big Adidas contract, Rob, you know, was a was a very good agent for a lot of years before he left to become the general manager of the Lakers. Um, and since then, he, he kind of didn't have an agent for a number of years. He used the Wasserman guys at one point when he was getting traded, um, but they there was not a long term deal in place there. They just sort of negotiated the trade from from Houston to Brooklyn, and. And then there's there's sort of been a dealing with the players association, and then this year he did hire a couple of agents, but they you know this is this is these are when you bring people in late like this isn't somebody who's been managing your career the whole time, you know these are people who came in this year, and so um, I guess my takeaway is really it never should have got to this like it never he should have signed like he was advised when they traded him to Brooklyn I know they advised him to sign an extension in Brooklyn, and if you don't like it then you can get traded again later. Um, I do think, and a number of executives have told me this, mm-hmm. uh, the Harden situation is u- is unusual, perhaps unique for lots of reasons. But I, I do think uh, other executives and I have batted this around. One of the ripple effects or trickle-down effects of this new CBA is going to be, and the Harden example is being kind of held up as, as an example of this, yeah. is like – more and more players outside, let's say the top 15, 20 guys in the NBA are going to operate 
under the assumption that the big money won't necessarily be there the way that you expect it to be if you hit free agency. When the big money is there, take it and take it for as many years as you can take it for because you can't just assume the four-year max is going to be there from three different teams in free agency. Um, It's going to be a fascinating situation. The story is an absolute must-read. Ramon, everything you write is a must-read. You know everything. It's a privilege to have you on this podcast (laughs) sharing information. Do you have any other thoughts on the Jared Vanderbilt extension, which broke right before we we hopped on here? Yeah. um, It's it's the Lakers. we got to talk about it. I know. I I think it's it's yet another – really nice team friendly deal that'll be good good for the player and good for the team because he was a solid contributor for them last year and i think he'll be a rotational player this year i don't know if he starts or if it depends on the matchup um but that's a really nice team friendly deal and all four of these years guys, 48 million i should have said yeah, that up front yeah, four years 48 million um and those are the kind of contracts zach that like i think in the new cba won't really exist right like those it's really hard to have guys making somewhere between 50. Well, this is 12. So, so maybe this does exist, but those mid, those middle contracts, like you, you're going to have two maxes and then everybody else will be on vet minimums and, and mid levels. Um, and so if you get somebody who's good in at that level, it's good for them and it's good for the team because those are the hardest ones. They're going to be the hardest ones to create when you have already two max guys. Um, yeah. It's a totally, totally fine contract. $12 yeah, million plus, dollars a year. Plus, if they get to a point where they need to aggregate <laughs> contracts, if they stay under that second apron and they need to aggregate contracts, they have a lot of really good young players on manageable deals that other teams would want. Bingo. Russell, 18. Rui, 17. Mm-hmm. Reeves. Uh, let's put Reeves in a different category because yeah. he's a core player there now. Vincent, 11. Vanderbilt, 12. Yeah. You know, they've kind of punted on cap space going forward, which is fine. There's a lot of different ways yeah. to build your team. He's 24 years old. Maybe the corner three never becomes more than like a once every two games he yeah. makes one thing, but he's a very good defensive player, very versatile. So I'm guard, point guards, yeah. John Morant, Steph Curry. It's a totally fine, totally fine deal. Um, all right, Ramona, go do your job. I got more writing to do. I go, you know where I work now? I can't work at my house anymore because there's like two children running around all the time. Two little children, two boys children, under will, five. children will get you every time. Yeah, so I go. I literally have been going to the WeWork office near me. I'm like, I, I'm like one of those co working people. How close is it? How, how far you got to drive? 10 minutes, 10 minutes because our office in downtown LA is like an hour, so I'm not yeah, gonna drive an that. hour just to go right. And I don't want to be the Starbucks girl and I don't want to be the Kinko's girl, right? Where you take your laptop and you're like, hey, can you keep it down over there? I know you're having fun with your coffee and everything, but I'm trying to write. Not going to be that girl. I like it. All right, Ramona Shelburne, <laughs> read the Sixer story, read everything she writes. Uh, I think we covered a lot. Thank you yeah. for your time. Get those little kids uh, in line, and uh, I will see you out in Los Angeles next week. Yeah, thanks, Zach.